0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Whatever you have, for- what an amazing thing it is when you think about the truth of the things we sang about today, right? All that God has done for us, His, uh, how He saved us. Uh, when we didn't desert, how he keeps after us when we tend to go astray, and how uh, he's the conqueror, right? And in him, we are eternally saved. Well, last Sunday, we began a sermon series for the summer entitled Church, the Church in Motion. And uh, we talked about all the awesome things that happened. You remember, Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and wait, and they went there and waited, and they were there together and praying in unity and waiting on God, and, and then all of a sudden, remember, the Holy Spirit came in a way that had never come before in the history of the world, into the, actually into the people themselves. And he gave them that supernatural ability to speak languages they had never learned, and they praised God and people from all over the world who just happened to be there, right? That God had brought together, heard the praises of God, and then Peter stands up in a language everybody can understand and speaks the gospel to them. And, and 3,000 people get saved in one day, saved, baptized, following the Lord. And, and the church is born, you know, explodes into the world. And, and they're living, you know, they're, they're hanging together, fellowshipping together. God is working. and says that every day more people were getting saved, And wouldn't it be awesome to be able to experience that in our day? You guys are there, right? It would be. And and we we said, you know, could we do that? And we said, yeah. But I gotta be honest with you. Maybe when I say to you, actually, I'm always honest with you. Um, And guys, I don't know if there's any way to get on my monitor down here. What's up there, that would be awesome, helpful. Um, So... There are times, um, let me back up. If we're going to experience what the first church experienced, what do we have to do? We have to start where the first church started, in unity, around the things that really matter, around Jesus Christ, the gospel, praying, worshiping, asking God, depending on God. Then we, you know, we might be in a place to experience what they experienced. But the, the reality is that sometimes I'm, I'm not sure that we will experience it. And I don't want to be a doubter. I believe God can do it, but but the problem comes, I think, is that when we start thinking about ourselves experiencing this, well, you think about the apostles, right? This is this is the apostles we're talking about, right? These are Peter, James, and John kinds of guys. I mean, they made the Bible. Well, who who are we? Do you ever think that way about, oh, that's those people in the Bible, they, you know, and then there's us. Is it just me? <laughs> and then you think about even the people in your own life, the people who have made such a difference in your life, you know, either personally interacting with you or preaching and ministering to you, and you think about them. And then you think about yourself, and you think about, well, wow, I know my weaknesses. I know the sins I struggle with. I know my failures. I know... And we start to wonder, do we really have what it takes for, you know, God to do these kinds of things in our lives? Well, today I want to challenge that thinking. In fact, the Word of God is going to challenge that kind of thinking on our part. So let's open the Bible. Let's turn to Acts chapter 3. It's page 1255 in the Bible that's there in the pew. If you don't have a a Bible with you today or one in your phone, it's in page 1255 in that Bible. What we're going to read here today happened just very shortly after the events that we looked at last week. And so let's just start reading right in the beginning of chapter 3. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So in the temple they had regular scheduled times of prayer. They go up there probably like they had many times before. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. So he's a beggar. And they take him and put him at this particular gate where a lot of people are coming in and out with the hopes that he can... You know, beg and get enough money to continue to sustain his living. By the way, we, we see later on in the story that he was over 40 years old and he's been lame from birth. So this is his life. Verse 3. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Now, alms, we are, then this idea of alms is, is what someone would give to a beggar, you know? If, if you saw it and you put some money, that's the idea of alms. It's sort of a, a charitable giving. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them, right? We can envision this, right? He's kind of asking in general, and Peter says, look at us. And so he looks, thinking, okay, these folks are going to give me some money here. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Walking, leaping, and praising God. Now, would that change your life if you were that guy? Well, yeah. It's a huge thing. But I want to focus in on something that Peter says there in in verse 6. So let's look back at that again. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. You see, our natural tendency far too often is to focus on what we don't have. So we talk here today say, hey, we're, we're, you know, we're raising money for chairs because we think it's going to be more effective for us as we, we try to carry out the commission God has given us. We, hey, we have an opportunity to give money to, for shoes to the uh, poor, little, poor children in Nicaragua. Uh, all these kinds of things come along. And, and our tenants might say, well, I, I don't have the money. And that's, that can be real, can't it? I mean, I just don't have the money. I, and we could stop where Peter began. Well, I just don't have that. And our tendency is to focus on what we don't have, you know. We don't have uh, this, this money. We don't have certain possessions. We don't have certain skills and abilities. We don't have the right background. We don't have the experience that's needed. We don't have, right? That's what we tend to focus on. We focus on what I, what I can't do. I'm not able to do this, that, or the other thing. And today I want to challenge you about that. I really want to challenge you about that kind of thinking and get you to shift your focus. not away from. I want to shift your focus away from what you are not able to do. Shift your focus away from what you don't have and get you to begin focusing on what you do have. What abilities do you have? What possessions do you have? What experience do you have? Now, I want you to, to mark this place in your Bible, okay, because we're coming back to it. We're going to leave it for a little bit, so mark this place in your Bible. What I want to do is take you to another story in the Bible which really in, in, uh, illuminates these things that, that I want to challenge you about here today, that the Word of God challenges about. Turn to Exodus chapter 4. It's page 63 in the Bible that's in the pew there, Exodus chapter 4. Now, you remember the story of Moses. Moses, uh, by God's miraculous intervention, his life was saved as a baby and he was raised in Pharaoh's house in Egypt. And at this time, Egypt was probably one of the most powerful kingdoms in the world, if not the most powerful kingdom in the world. And Moses is raised up as, as a son of the leader of that country. Okay, now we know the story. He somehow really became aware that he was of Jewish heritage and he goes out and looks at his, all of his people and they're enslaved and being forced to labor and, and he gets stirred up about that and says, I want to you know, do something for my people. He ends up killing a, an Egyptian who was mistreating Israelites and he has to run for his life. He has to leave Egypt. And he goes out and becomes the caretaker of animals, the shepherd in the desert somewhere for 40 years. He's 40 years away from being anybody in the eyes of the world. He's 40 years away from doing anything that seems to matter. 40 years away from whatever skills he had learned and was involved in Egypt. He's just, it's, it's gone from his life. And God shows up in his life And and he talks to Moses and says, I want you to go back to to Egypt and I want you to lead my people out of Egypt, out of slavery, to the land that I'm going to give you. I want you to go back and do that. And Moses is having a really hard time seeing himself as able to do that. (laughs) Who am I? What can I do? What do I bring to the table? Those those people want to kill me back there. I mean, all of those kinds of things. Reasons. What kind of thinking is he doing? well, I don't have what it takes. I'm not able to do what you're asking me to do. All of that kind of thinking. So we get here to chapter four. It says, then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So he's already envisioning, you know, that they're gonna reject me, that the, my own people, they aren't gonna believe me. They aren't gonna think that you talk to me. What am I gonna do then? So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. What an interesting question that the Lord asks him at this point. I mean, God is asking him, like I said, to go challenge probably the the greatest kingdom in the world at that time. Go tell them, let my people go. Yeah, right, And, and God says, well, okay, what do you have in your hand? And he says, "A rod. Basically what? A stick. <laughs> well God, solution to what Moses was facing was, what do you have in your hand? What are you already? possess. Now, there's another story in the Bible like this. There's a story in the New Testament with Jesus and his disciples and and the crowds were growing. You know, he was was healing people and the miracles were getting people's attention. They came and they listened to his teaching. Man, he didn't teach like the regular religious leaders and and, and the crowds was growing. And so one day Jesus says to the disciples, hey, you need to feed these people. Feed these people. And the disciples look around and and there are like 4,000, 5,000 people, maybe more. How are we going to feed them? We don't have enough money for that. And they start looking around. And Peter finds a young man who had thought ahead to bring a supper for himself. <laughs> and the Bible tells us, and I'm just you know, kind of put in today's terms, he had, he had five little dinner rolls and two small, really dead fish. And so Peter brings this to Jesus. He brings it to Jesus and he says, well, we have this this five dinner rolls and two fish. And then he he looks up at the crowd again and goes, but what is this among so many? What I want you to get here today is this. There's a a thought, because we tend to think wrong about this. And here's the thought, that the issue is not what we can do with what we have, but what God can do with it. that makes sense? The issue is not what we can do with what we have, but what God can do with it. And so here's Peter saying five dinner rolls and two fish. What is that amongst, what in the world can I do with this? But you gotta give Peter credit, at least he did what? He identified what he had. See, that's what God told Moses to do. He told Moses, identify what do you already have? What you th- I got to serve God. I'm gonna. No. What do you already have? That's what you need to focus on. What do you have in your hand? What's with in your ability to use? So what, what? do you have today in your hand? What What do you have that could be used by God? What kind of possessions do you have? You have a You have a phone. You have a car. You have a computer. You have a place where you live. What do you have? What What do you know? You know what do you, you know about something? You know about uh, you. Maybe you know about computers. Maybe you know about how to organize things. Maybe you know about science stuff. Maybe you know whatever. What do you know? What can you do? What skills do you have? You know, are you able, hey, I'm able to clean, I'm able to fix a car, I'm able to fix a computer, I'm able to design things, I'm able to organize things. What do you have? See, that's the question. And and you start, you need to identify what you already have. Because we don't want to be thinking, wait a minute, I don't have this, that, no, focus on what do you have. Identify what you have. So let's continue the story here. Verse three, so he he's identified, what do you have in your hand? I got a rod, got a stick in my hand. And he said, God said, cast it on the ground. And so he cast it on the ground. He throws it on the ground. And when he does, it becomes a serpent. And Moses fled from it. How many of you like snakes? How many of you don't like snakes? Let me ask you that way. Oh, okay, see, you can get that, right? Throw the rod down, all of a sudden it's a snake looking at you. you're gone. And God has a Moses, Moses, come back over here. Moses, I I should continue reading here, let's see. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Anybody here ever grab a snake by the tail? Bad idea. You grab by the tail and it comes up and, you know, does its thing. So, but God tells them to pick it up by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. And then God said that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. All right? So he's saying, do what I tell you to with this, with this rod. And so Moses here has surrendered what he has to God. You see that? Because he has it in his hand And God tells him to do what with it? Put it down. Okay? So he is now surrendering his rod to the Lord. And then the Lord is telling him, pick it up. And pick it up the way I tell you to. And he picks it up. Because God has told him to. He has surrendered what he has to the Lord. And now it's really interesting how his thinking changes. Look over in verse 18. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go return to Egypt for all the men who sought your life are dead. So God is sending him back. And look what it says here. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey and he returned to the land of Egypt. And get this, and Moses took the rod What's it say? The rod of God in his hand. Moses has had a change of mind about this whole thing. Before this was what I have, my rod. Now it's God's rod. Now elsewhere in the Bible still calls it Moses' rod. It's still in his hand now, but he sees it differently because he has surrendered it to God. It's now For God's use. Doesn't it make sense to take what you have and put it in the hands of an expert? (laughs) I would say so. You know, I have a football up here. And we play a Thanksgiving Day Turkey Bowl game in my family. and, And I like to play quarterback. Okay? One of the reasons is because you don't have to run very far. But another reason is because it is so cool, you know, to get the ball and then you know roll out and look downfield and, and I kinda envision myself, you know, I, mean, I, I tell you what, to be honest with you, I'm just I'm a really good Thanksgiving day once a year, playing with a bunch of amateurs, kinda quarterback, okay? I'm a good one. And it's so cool to look down there and say, oh, okay, i got to throw it above those guys, but not too far, and throw it, and you throw it, and they catch it, and it's a touchdown, 20 yards. Oh, the crowd goes wild, you know. But I guarantee you something. If Tom Brady shows up at my house, <laughs> I'm going to put the ball in Tom's hands. Because... You put the, hands, the ball in the hands of the expert and amazing things can happen. All right? Can you hold this for me, Mitchell? See what I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> and so it is with us. Wouldn't it make sense to take whatever it is we have, whatever it is we already have, all those things we already kind of talked about, wouldn't it make sense to take those and put them In God's hands? Isn't the one who created us? The one who knows us? The one who knows everything about what we're facing? Wouldn't it make sense to put it in his hands? Yeah, we need to surrender these things because, see remember, this is so important that we put it in God's hands because it's not the issue is what? The issue is not what we can do with what we have, but what God can do with what we have. And so this is crucial that that whatever we have in life that we have some sort of control over, that that we make it available to God to use. it's again, whether it's our possessions, our abilities, our experiences, our relationships, our jobs, our opportunities, uh, whatever it is, we need to make sure it's available to God to use. Now, now, young people, listen to me for a minute. Um, and by the way, what I'm going to tell them is true for old people too. But young people, listen in very carefully here. It may be that you find yourself already with some abilities and, and things that you have, and you're confident, and I can use these things, and I do things, and, and people applaud and pat you on the back, and it's awesome. And so you think, I can use these things to serve God. But let me tell you, the the more confident you are that way, the more at risk you are of not depending on God. See, because you can do this. You don't feel like I don't have to depend on God. I can already do this. I know how to do this. I can already bring. But tell you what, this is why it's so important that you surrender it to God. You surrender that ability to him. Because the Bible is so clear. I mean, Jesus said it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If God, if we aren't depending on God and God isn't the one using what we have through us, he's, he's used, leading us to use it and we're using his way. If we're not doing that, we could get to heaven one day and find out that it was all a waste. It didn't accomplish anything of spiritual significance. It accomplished nothing of eternal significance. So listen, if... Whether you're a young person here today, I just want you to learn it now. If you're older, same thing. It is crucial that you surrender whatever you have to God because now you're gonna depend on him, surrendering it to God. All right, so let's go back to the word here. Go to chapter 14 of Exodus. I think it's uh, page 76, I believe. So you've, you've identified what you already have. You have surrendered what you already have, and now you want to. Or you need to begin using what you have the way God leads you to use it. Use what you have. So over here in chapter fourteen, now God has already done miraculous things with Moses and his rod. Okay, and, and so now the people of Israel have left Egypt and they're headed away and then the Egyptians changed their minds. So we're not gonna let, so they chase after them and they're just about to overtake uh, Israel and you know, they're, they're all worried, what are we gonna do? And we get to uh, verse 13 of chapter 14. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Okay. And then it's interesting. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? So uh, Moses in front of all the people is saying what? Hey, God's going to do a great work. God's going to do something. God help me. (laughs) And and God says, why are you crying to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but you, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel should go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So God tells him, "What, what are you waiting for? You already know, I've already asked you what you have in your hand. You've already surrendered it to me. Now what? Now use it. Go use it. Now you might say, how in the world would I know if, how, how, if God wants want me to use something for him? What are the three things we always do as a church? We're always about three things. We surrender to the Lord. We grow to be like the Lord. We Tell others about the Lord. And here's the deal. If you will focus on those things and keep after that in your life, uh, surrendering to Him, growing to be like Him, telling others about Him, you keep doing this, what's going to happen is God and His Word and your experience in life, you're going to start to see life more accurately. You're going to start to see things the way that it really is, the way that God says it is. Not only that, you're going to have heard what God says in His Word so many times that you're going to recognize His voice. And, and so... It's going to just start to make sense. All of a sudden, you're going to realize one day, wow, I, I think I need to use this here. I need to, to take what I have and to do something with it. And, and so then you, you begin to do that. And so uh, here's Moses, and, and God is really saying to him, what are you waiting for? Why do you keep crying? Take your rod and use it. You know, you might you think, well, God wants me to say, I don't know, you know, that's, I don't know if I'm really ready. I, I don't know if I'm good enough yet, or I don't know. Just use it. Well, it's kind of scary, you know, because I don't know what's gonna happen. Use it. Well, it seems crazy. Like, what difference is it gonna make? God says, use it. Use it. Because when we use what we already have in our hands, we've already surrendered to God and we use it the way he shows us to use it? What can happen? Well, let's look and see what happens here. Here in chapter 14 still. Let's go to verse 21. It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground. The waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And it goes on and tells us that they went through the other side and then the Egyptians tried to come through and God closes the water in on them. But, but what you see is that, that Moses takes what's in his hand, he does with it what God tells him to do and then God does something because there was no magic in Moses holding up his rod. But he took what he had, and did what God said to do with it, and then God did something big. So you identify what you have in your hand, you surrender it to him, you use it the way he tells you to do it, and then you watch what God does. (laughs) I kind of like, the. it's it's kind of almost like, okay, so Moses now has taken his rod and he's raised it up, and God says, here, here, give me that. Let me show you what I can do with that stick. He tells Peter and James and the, the guy, the disciples, he says, okay, give me those five dinner rolls and two fish. Watch what I can do with them. <laughs> David is facing this giant Goliath, and God says, hey, David, let me show you what I can do with a slingshot. What do you have in your hands? If you identify it and surrender to him and begin to use it, watch what God Can do with it. No matter how small you think it is, no matter how insignificant you think it is, put it in God's hands. So let's go back. Because remember, the issue is what? The issue is not what we can do with what we have, but what God can do with what we have. That's the issue. So let's go back to Acts chapter 3. It's 1,255. So this man has been healed, right? And he's walking and leaping and praising God. And in verse number nine, it says, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. People saw what God did because Peter said, hey, I, I don't have money, but I do have this. He was an apostle and he could do this. All the people saw him walking, praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's porch, greatly amazed. And so this, when Peter took, he says, here's what I do have. And he did it. He used it. It made a difference. And it attracted attention. And people came, and Peter now gets to share the gospel with them. You know, what would it do if you took today and said, I, I'm going to identify, here's, here's what I do have, here's some things I have, here's some things I can do, here's some things I know. And and God, I surrender these things to you. I make them available to you to use however you want. Just show me. I'm ready. I'm willing to do it. And then you begin using it the way he wants you to do. And then God works. He makes a difference with it. And it gets attention. Who gets the attention? We do it first, but then we say what? This is God. This is something that Jesus has done. And we get to reach people. So not only does this make a huge difference in your own life, but it makes a huge difference for us as a church. And some of you may not be familiar with it, but we, we have, uh, God has burned our hearts here as a church for something we call Vision 2028. And that's that, that by 2028, we envision every person in the greater Worcester area having a genuine opportunity to experience a personal, growing, and overflowing relationship with Jesus Christ. And the only way that happens is if I say, well, what do I have? Okay, God, it's yours. And I'm going to use it for you. And if I do that, and if all of you do that, then that becomes a reality. If we don't do that, it doesn't. And you see this whole idea, of this vision, by the way, this is why in our logo you see the words, providing a genuine opportunity to know Christ. But the only way we provide a genuine opportunity to know Christ is if we, we take what we have and we give it to God and use it for Him. All of us. Now think about that. If If... Most of us here today, maybe if all of us it would be awesome, but even if just most of us here today, consciously think, God, all that I have, all that I know, all that I can do, it's yours to use in whatever way you see fit, and then you begin to use it, and God works. Wow. Can you imagine what God could do? Well, think about what he's already done, because some people have done that. We're here today because some people have already done this, aren't we? Some of you were saved today because somebody already did this. And we are seeing people reach, but what if we all really got conscious about living this way? What could God do? What, would, what is God going to do? Huge things. Eternally significant things. And remember, the issue is not what we can do with what we have, but what God can do with it. That's the issue. So I challenge you today, identify what you have, surrender to God, begin to use it for Him, and then let's see what God does. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that you you take people like Moses who we think of as this awesomely great man, and he was, but Lord, you took him at that point when he saw himself as nothing. You took him at that point when he, he felt like he had nothing to offer. And you told him to look and see what he already had and to begin serving you with that. I pray, Father, that we will... Do the same, that we will look and see what do we have and and make sure that we keep giving it to you and keep letting you use it in our lives and to work in us and through us with it. Lord, please stir our hearts about this. Don't let us go about business as usual, Father. This afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, Lord, bring it back to our memory. What do you have in your hand? And Lord, stir us to keep bringing these things online to serve you. And we look forward to what you're going to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.